news stories. And when he spoke, his stories, while they reflected the times in which they lived, stories that they could relate to, those stories transcended one generation and they would reach generation after generation after generation. There was always something within a story or a parable that we can glean from, that we could apply to our own life. I believe that when Jesus was speaking many, many times, he was speaking to his New Testament church, not just his present-day disciples. We have the luxury and the opportunity of reading these four Gospels. While those that were there, they did not have that luxury. They did not have that opportunity. They were, they were gleaning for themselves of tidbits of wisdom and nuggets. And, and not everyone got to hear all of these parables. Not everyone got to see all of these miracles. But rather those that were on location at that specific time. But I believe in this particular parable that Jesus understood that the end time church, those that would probably see the coming of the Lord, that there was going to be a need for a story. There was going to be a need for a parable that would keep them motivated when everything within them wanted to give up. Can I tell you today that it does not take long for this world that you're living in to drain you of every ounce of motivation that you have. We're not talking about 50 years ago when you sat on the porch for the rest of the evening and visited with your neighbors. If we're waiting on those days to come back, it's not going to happen. The world in which we live is anti-Christ. From the businesses to the politicians, I'm not speaking to all of them, I'm about all of them, I'm speaking about the nature of the world, the, the, the society that we live in. And it, its number one objective is to drain you of everything you have that wants to live for God. Can I just come to tell you tonight, I'm telling you my objective from the very beginning is I've come to tell you it's not time to give up. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's not time to lay down and say, you know what? It's too hard. I can't do it anymore. Hey, friend, I hear a trumpet that's fixing the sound. And if we've ever been motivated to live for God, we need to live for God like never before. Hey, I spoke of it Monday night. There's negative everywhere. And that is how the enemy gets a foothold, is to get you negative. I'd love to say that everybody that had the Holy Ghost was positive. That's a lie. Because there are negative people in the world, and there's negative people in the church. The Holy Ghost does not make us perfect. 
It does not make us robots. It does not give us all the same personality. And I'm glad you're not all like me. I'm glad I'm not like some of you. I'm joking. I don't even have any notes. I can say whatever I want. But Jesus knew 2,000 years down the road that the heat was going to start getting turned up. We, I, I don't know what it was like living in the days of the apostles. I don't know what it was like living in the dark ages. But I do know this, that the closer it gets to the coming of the Lord, the Bible says that things will get worse and worse and worse. And friend, I cannot imagine how much worse things have to get before we have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And so this is what the Lord said. He said, I'm going to tell you a story. And his whole objective in telling this story was found in verse 1. He said, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. That was his purpose. That was his motive. Here's why I'm telling you this, guys. Because there's going to be a time in your walk with God that you're going to get tired, faint, or weary. And because you're tired and because you're weary, you're going to want to slack up on what you know you're supposed to do. You're going to want to ease the throttle back on your prayers because you're going to look around and say, well, what's the use? Nothing's happening anyway. My children aren't coming back to God yet. My situation isn't turning around. Or what are you filling the blanks on? Whatever it is that applies to you. Jesus said, hold on. I'm going to tell you a story that's going to motivate you to keep on keeping on. I just want to tell someone tonight, you may have been praying for something for a long time and that enemy would want to convince you that it's not going to change, that it's not going to happen and you put that prayer up on the shelf and it's covered with dust. But tonight's the night you blow the dust off of it. Tonight's the night you say, I'm going back to that prayer closet. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to believe the lie of the devil that this thing ain't going to turn around. I feel a wind of the Spirit that's going to catch your sails tonight and you're going to leave with a refreshed touch of the Holy Ghost. We've got way too many people that know truth not living for God. Not because they don't believe this book but because they got tired. Because they got weary, faint, and the enemy capitalized on their weariness. You know, you don't think right when you're tired. I get cranky, grumpy, and all such as like that whenever I'm tired. I don't, my dad used to work shift work, still work shift work, and he would, 
he would, I've seen him work three nights straight and mow yards all day for three days without going to bed, just round the clock. You don't even want to be in the same zip code with me if I did that. And you're still, you don't think right. Am I, when, I, when I get tired, my girls will come to me and say, well, my little ones especially, well, well Daddy, can I do, uh, or I'm going to do this, this, this. And I say, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. What are you talking about? And they say, well, I asked you. Well, I can't even tell you my name whenever I was that tired. You don't think clearly. And you know, the same goes living for God. You start getting fatigued in the spirit. It starts messing with your mind. You keep pressing and pushing and, and doing, and it starts wearing you down. And when you don't see results, it's easy to get discouraged. That's why I don't diet. Because I feel like the first three letters of the word. Feel like I'm dying. And I when when I miss when I do good for two days, I want to drop 10 pounds. And when I don't see the scale move like I want it to move, well, let's just go blow it and go eat whatever we want. We struggle when we don't see results like we want to see them. But can I tell you, you cannot measure how God is operating by what you see on the outside because God's wheels turn slowly, but they turn ever so surely. And I believe tonight that if you could see what God's doing, God is stirring people's hearts. God is activating stuff in the spirit world. God is summonsing the four winds, fixing the blow in your situation. Touch your neighbor and say, don't quit. Don't quit. He says, there was in a city a judge. Now, he sets up the most impossible scenario. It wasn't just any judge. It was a judge that feared not God, neither regarded man. So, in other words, it was a, it was a judge that she couldn't pull any strings. She couldn't get her preacher to go talk to him. She couldn't get family to go talk to him. It was an impossible situation. That's the picture that God, is Jesus is trying to paint. And he said there was a widow in that city. Another typology. Someone who didn't have any clout. And he said that widow came and said, Avenge me of mine adversary. And Scripture says he would not for a while. I don't know how long it was. A while is very broad. But let's just say it was weeks or months. And every day she would go. And she would go to that judge and say, avenge me of my adversary. She didn't beg. She went boldly and she went with faith. And the Bible says he would not for a while, but afterward within himself, he saith, though I fear not God, nor regard man. In other words, I'm not doing this because she's pulling any strings, but because she is so determined.
determined she is going to trouble me, I will avenge her. And the Lord said, I want you to hear what the unjust judge saith. If an unjust judge will do that because somebody will not give up, how much more will your heavenly father be motivated by the determination of one of his children who just has enough faith to believe that I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep knocking. I've come to tell you tonight, you just hold on. You just hold on. You keep believing because God's going to do it. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. The Bible says, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be complete and entire, wanting nothing. How do you develop patience? You ready for this? Problems. You want to develop patience? Don't pray for it. Just keep living. It'll come. It'll come in the form of children, family, job, you name it. You keep living. You don't have to go look for trouble or problems. The Bible says man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. But God uses situations in life to test our faith. And in that testing, he is developing patience within us. Now, why do you think grandparents are way more loving and patient than parents? Because they've been tested a whole lot longer. And all that testing developed patience. And they'll let their grandchildren do what they would never dream of letting their children do because they realize that they died on a whole lot of hills that wasn't worth dying on. That's why they say grandbabies are so good they should have had them first. Patience. The Lord uses scenarios and situations within our life to develop a patience within us. Bible says, in your patience, possess ye your soul. Your soul is tied to your patience. And Jesus was trying to convey to them, if an unjust judge can be motivated by a persistent person who is willing to disregard her emotions, disregard what other people may say, disregard the facts surrounding, and she's just going to keep going and knocking, then you better believe, he said, I, your heavenly Father, I am motivated and moved by the determination of my children. And if they will just have enough faith to keep believing, to keep holding on, to keep knocking when they don't feel like knocking, he said, I'm going to avenge them. And I'm going to avenge them speedily. Friend, I want you to know when God gets ready to move, he doesn't need a week to get ready. He can move you from the prison to the palace 
Jesus in just an instant. He can turn your situation around. I'll never forget 2018 to this point was the most trying year in my life in the ministry. And I could not explain or figure out what God was trying to do. And your mind is your greatest enemy to faith. Because we think we, our job is to figure it out and then just submit it to God and let God do what we say. That's not how this thing works. Especially people that are fixers and planners. And we think, okay, it's going to work out like this and, and this piece is going to move and then I'm going to do this. And, and we have this little chess match that we do with the Lord until God just throws the whole chess table away. And you're sitting here going, okay, God, none of this worked out like I thought it was going to work out. And so that year I would just pray and I'd plead with God and I'd seek God and couldn't figure out exactly what was going on. I remember I was preaching for a man, and he stood in, in, in his office. He stood across from me. He said, I'm going to prophesy to you. I said, okay. He said, God keeps accurate record of every detail of our lives. And he said, God has been keeping track of all of the sacrifices that you have made on the field and evangelizing. And he said, God is going to repay you everything that you have sacrificed for the kingdom. He said he repaid Israel for 400 years. He repaid them in one moment. And I said, all right. He said, your life, God, with one phone call, everything is going to turn around. Within 24 hours, everything is going to turn around. And I said, all right, and I believed it. And I, and I walked away going, God, I don't know how this is all going to work. This was at the beginning of 2018. And I didn't know how anything was going to work. And a year later, nearly a year later, I was sitting back in his office in the same spot that we had talked. And he said, do you remember where we were a year ago? I said, I sure do. We were sitting right here. And he said, and I said, do you realize that with one phone call that God changed everything in my life within 24 hours? And God started repaying for every single thing. Hear me tonight. Night, Wallace Ridge. I don't know the nature of your situation. I don't know what your prayers have been that you've been knocking on the door of heaven. But I've come to declare to you that God has heard every prayer and God has kept accurate detail of every tear that you have cried. And now's not the time to say, God, where are you at? But now's the time to say, God, I'm going to keep knocking and I'm going to keep believing. Cornelius, you're not even supposed to have salvation. You're a Gentile. He was a good man. Bible says he gave much alms. He was a generous man, but he was a Gentile. But this is how powerful persistence is. The word of the Lord came to him and said, Your prayers and your alms have gone up as a memorial before the Lord. They have gotten God's attention. 
because you won't stop praying and believing. Friend, that's powerful. That one man's prayers could open the door to the entire Gentile world for salvation. And if God will do that for Cornelius, then you can't tell me God won't do that for you. You just got to have a made up mind. You got to have a determination about you that I'm not going to turn around and I'm not going to turn back, but I'm going to see the hand of God prevail. Gideon, he was hiding. And that angel said, you're a mighty man of valor. That doesn't even make sense. A mighty man of valor who was hiding. But you know, God sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. God sees what he's gifted you with. God's seen your abilities. And God said, get you an army. And God whittled that army down to 300. You know, God has a way of getting rid of all of our resources. God has a way of whittling things down to where if it happens, it's going to be because of him, not because of us. Because if you can do it, it's not a miracle. If you can make it happen, then why do you even need to pray? And the Bible says when Gideon and those 300 men were going after, Bible says they were faint. They were weary, yet pursuing. You know, that describes a whole lot of people in the church because there are people every Sunday and every Wednesday that are so weary, that are so tired, that are feel like they are just beaten in and give on the verge of giving up. But their faith tells them, I may be faint, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep pursuing because if I'm going to make it to the other side, then I've got to have a tenacity about me. Hey, Wallace Ridge, it's not a, a mind-blowing message, but it's the Holy Ghost tonight. You need to shake the dust off and say, I need a wind of the Spirit to catch my sails and give me the strength to keep going. Stand with me right now. I want you to clap your hands unto the Lord and give God praise. I'm preaching to tired people tonight. I'm preaching to weary people tonight. That's not a sign of anything bad. You didn't do anything wrong. It's a sign of life. It's a sign of the times. There's nothing wrong with being weary. It's when you stay weary. You stay tired. And down. I'm not talking about physical tired. I'm talking about spiritual. Because that's when the enemy comes in. And he starts messing with your mind. How many people were one knock away from a miracle? 
They were one day away from their situation turning around. But they got tired. They got faint. And they stopped pursuing what God was trying to do in their life. We need the Holy Ghost to breathe that wind of the Spirit, refreshing our minds and our hearts. Listen, I'm speaking as a pastor tonight. We're fixing ahead in the summer. I realize everybody's going to be going just a bunch of different directions. We don't have a lot of stuff planned in the summer for the church other than normal stuff because I respect family time. I, I get it. I understand it. But we can't let church and our walk with God take a back seat because we just got all kind of stuff going on. You've heard me say it before. If Satan can't get us by being bad, he'll get us by being busy. Acronym for busy, being under Satan's yoke. Because the end result is the same. We lose out with God. I believe you ought to spend time with your family. The family existed before the church existed. I, but I also believe that we ought to balance it out with making sure we still give God everything that we're supposed to give the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want us to come to this altar tonight. I believe the Holy Ghost is going to just bring a refreshing to our heart and our minds. I want you to leave out of this place with a renewed sense of purpose and passion.